We are here on Check the Kick Podcast. I got the boy with me, OG Shawnee Mac. Say what's up. Yeah, what's up, brother? Um, yeah, we I've been talking to you a bunch on social media. Um, I would say we're Instagram friends at this point. Um, we've talked a lot of random shit back and forth. I've ranted to you a lot. Um, <laughs> so so um, I've been wanting to have you on, so here it is, man. Tell everyone where you're from and where they can find you. Yeah, man. So I am out of like an hour outside of Vancouver, BC in uh, beautiful Canada, man, up north. Um, you can look me up on Instagram. That's like my main my main location where I put everything out. All the following kind of started out there. My Instagram is at OG Shawnee Mac. And uh, you can find me on YouTube as well at OG Shawnee Mac. That's more of like a it's a test thing going on right now. We're just putting putting videos out there for the hell of it, you know, trying to trying to educate the masses a little bit more. Um, but yeah, man, let's fucking get into it. Um, first off, we did have some tech. I- well, I had some tech issues. He's been waiting on me, probably probably fucking pissed that I took so long to get on. Um, but that's Herb Dean's fault, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that joke is taken over, man. You do you have no idea. I, I'll be I'll be tagged in comments on Instagram just about. It won't even be shit that I posted. It'll just be at OG Shawnee Mac. That's Herb Dean fault. Just in the most random posts. I've been following you on there um, way before you've kind of reached the, you know, I'm not going to say the peak because I, I still see you gaining a lot more traction. Um, but I've been following you since, you know, before you had the following. Now you probably had about one third of the following. And I was like, I like this guy. This shit's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So it's he posts guys. If you like, um, he posts a lot of um, M- it's all MMA content, um, you know, whether it be from Pride One or, you know, the last the last event there's always something going on funny memes and shit he's a pretty good follow i definitely suggest you follow him and he knows his fucking shit about mma so first thing i wanted to ask you man we're one quarter way through the year so i figured we'd give out some quarterly awards um for best performance of the year so far um we've gone three months in and there's been some fucking bangers some dudes really showed the fuck out so i want your best performance I'm going to tell you whether I agree with you or not, and then you can give me like a runner up or two. Um, so I'll let you take it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, best performance. Jeez. I want to give it to Francis because of last weekend, but no, I got to go with Max Holloway for sure. I think he's going to be the overall consensus favorite for best performance, you know, quarter of the way through the year. The dude fucking, I had so many people in my DMs and so many people telling me, Oh, you know, Max Holloway's starting to get older and, you know, he's taking a lot of headshots and this and that. And I'm like, dude, Max Holloway's only like 29 or some shit like that. Like the dude is literally just entering his prime. So like in my eyes, I had no, I had no doubts that he was going to go out there and, you know, put on a performance, but to put on a performance of that caliber, holy shit, man. I've rewatched that fight probably man two three four five times now and fuck man it's just one of those performances where it was like a michael jordan type performance you know one of those once in a lifetime things you're gonna see like he just it didn't matter what calvin cater was gonna do that night he wasn't fucking winning that fight he wasn't even gonna touch him you know 
people call it God mode, call it whatever you want. But yeah, Max Holloway was just fucking on another level that night. Um, and then as far as the women's performances, oh man, there hasn't been a hell of a lot, has there? I guess Shevchenko fought, did she not? She fought Jennifer Maya. Um, yeah. But- and, and then Nunez fought. But I mean, as far as the titles go, no, there hasn't really been anything you know, to be too excited about as far as the women's side of things. But I'm just trying to think of, you know, maybe a straw weight or something that's on my radar. I I thought, I think Marina Rodriguez, she was the one that fought Rebus, right? Knocked her out. Twice. Knocked her out, yeah. I'd put that <laughs> one up on my list because, I mean, everybody was hyping Amanda, you know, saying she could be a title contender pretty soon. And fuck that girl, put her out, man. So, yeah, I'd probably give it to her so far. What about a runner-up? You think you said Francis earlier, so I mean, oh, that's that one was for Francis to show no improvement leading back to the title. Like you look at his fight with Harzina Rosenstrike, and you're like, has is Francis Ngannou improved, or is he just going to overextend on each combination, cross yeah. feet, and just hit hey, you? Hold with up, the hold up, brother! I gotta stop you for a sec. I got this fucking senile old cat, and she's gonna be like. She's gonna be in the podcast if I don't go That's get her. That's cool, man. <laughs> she 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 just wanders around. She goes to sleep and she wakes up wondering where everybody is and fucking. <laughs> she'll scream. be on this. Yeah, shout her out, man. She's she's. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be in the show. I'm, I'm sure you can edit that shit out. Um, okay. Anyways, but yeah, runner up performance. Go on, bro. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you with the Francis. Um, like I was saying, like what he showed against everybody on the way back to Stipe, he showed no improvement. There's, There was not one... It was the only thing... You, and you were all over Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I mean, the only thing you could bet on was good faith at that point. And you can't tell me I was wrong because he didn't show... Like, he didn't show anything. Um, he showed no improvement against anybody until he got to Stipe. And then when he got to Stipe, he was, you know... We've never seen that before. That was probably more than you expected. The thing about it is, is it's not his fault that he hasn't been able to showcase what he's been learning. You know what I mean? Like, it's not his fault that he was able to go out there and sleep these guys in the first round. You know, like everybody would fucking do that. You could train, you know, as hard as as hard as these guys do and have all these technical wrestling skills. But I bet if you asked a fighter, hey. You could go out there in the first round and sleep anyone, but you don't get to use your jits or show off your wrestling. I think they're going to say, yeah, you know what? I'm okay with that, right? So, man, the thing with him is, like, he trains at Extreme Couture, and that's a fucking good gym, man. Like, they're producing some good fighters out of there. And um, and he's been working with Usman, too, right? Who's one of the best wrestlers they have in the UFC right now. So, to say that I wasn't expecting him to, you know... I don't know. I wasn't expecting it to be as as dominant as it was when Stipe went for that takedown. Like I was like, okay, he stuffed the takedown. But then when I saw him go for his own takedown after that, I thought, holy shit, this dude is this dude is on another level right now. You know, that was really surprising to me. So I can get, I'll give you that. He's, I mean, like I, you can tell he respected Stipe as. Steve Bay's a good fighter. You, there's no denying that. Whether you like him or not, whether you think he's the most boring dude out there, that's fine. But you can't deny you can't deny his ability, and you can't deny his ability to learn. Um, and he learns from all of his fights. If you look at the first DC fight, he gets flatlined. 
second mm-hmm. DC fight, he's getting worked on the hands, and then he makes without any without any cornering or anything, he makes an in cage adjustment, goes to the body, and then you know gets a t- and then he gets a TKO finish. In the third fight, he completely dominated DC. He almost finished DC. He almost finished them. Um, didn't really go to the body much, which I found weird, but was able to you know learn from his mistakes in the first fight and the second fight, get the overhooks, you know, properly grapple him against a cage. He learned, he learned a lot. So his ability to learn and, and move forward, I thought, you know, Hey, maybe he's going to learn from his last fight with Francis and be, you know, potentially even more dominant. But Francis was, um, that night, Francis might've been the best heavyweight that's ever existed. Um, not saying a lot. I really think that Francis that night could have probably potentially beat any, any MMA heavyweight or fighter that's ever existed. You know what? I'm not, I'm not mad at that statement because the way, the way that he, I think it was just his composure in there. You know what I mean? Like all we've seen is this dude go out there and fucking windmill guys and knock them out. But he was in there on his toes, you know, and, and then people were saying, oh, he might gas himself out. No, he wasn't going to gas himself out. Dude was prepared to go five rounds. And, yeah, man, his composure, like I said, it was just something something to see, a sight to see, absolutely. It was incredible. And obviously you need MMA coaches, but a dude that's so athletic and so powerful, I think he needed a guy like Usman to really tell him, to stay composed, stay confident, someone that he can look up to and aspire to, um, or also probably helps that Usman's younger than he is. Um, so he can say, Hey, you know, this young guy, this young dude can do the same thing as me. <laughs> How old's your cat, man? <laughs> oh, bro. She's like 20 years old. 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's, uh, she just does what she wants. <laughs> I, I had an old cat, you know, up until I moved out here and, um, it was really weird. She like knew I was moving. She like ended up just like dying <laughs> on her own, like yeah. right before I left. And she was like 22 or some crazy number. It was really weird. Um, yeah. And then with Max, dude, that was my number one for performance of the year. Um, maybe the best performance ever in the UFC. And I just finished saying that about Francis, but like, have I can't. I mean, Silva versus Levin. Can you think of much more than that? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Max completely dominated Calvin Cater. I went into that fight with a little bit of worry. He has taken a lot of damage. He has absorbed the most significant strikes in UFC history. So that, you know, that says a lot. But that kid is, um, he's not just good. He's really fucking good. Um, Volkanovski's a problem. But even though Max is, you know, 0-2 against him, I think all around Max is the better fighter. Um, Volk might just have his number, but I, I'm one of those guys that think Max won the second fight. Um, yeah, I've I've watched that fight. Fucking same thing. I've watched that fight a bunch of times, and I pick a different winner every time. So I don't know if I'll ever be content with it. But yeah, Volk is. I don't know. It's such a weird matchup for Max that he's just not. Excuse me, that he just hasn't been able to figure out that puzzle yet. You know. Because normally he's this loose fighter and he just lets things flow and he lets his combinations go and he's able to finish these guys later in the rounds. But with Volk, he just seems a bit hesitant. You know what I mean? And I, I don't understand why. Maybe, I mean, Joe Rogan says this shit. He used to be 200,000 pounds, whatever, you know. Um, 
Volk's a big athletic dude with a big head, and maybe he felt power from him that he has never felt from anyone else before. But you don't see Volk out there fucking flatlining dudes either. No, man. I think if he were to just, you know, the same way he fought Calvin Cater, because you could argue Calvin Cater's, a, you know, a harder one-punch guy than fucking Volkanovski, um, mm. more dangerous. I think if Max were to just say, fuck this dude, I got... He might respect him. He might be like... I, it's like the only dude I've ever seen Max respect. He is... Um, he's tentative against him, and he, like you said, he just just doesn't let it... He doesn't get into the flow state. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I did some sparring back in the day and whatever. You know, I did a little bit of boxing, and it's like... You can even see it in, in like, with certain fighters. Like, for whatever reason... Uh, it's not even that their opponent's that good. It's just for whatever reason, something that they're doing in there is throwing them off and they just fucking can't get going. And that just seems to be the case with, with Volk and Max. But that being said, if they run it back a third time and he doesn't go out there and performs like Max Holloway, then I don't think he's ever going to beat him. But I would be very, very surprised if he doesn't go out there. And like you said, yeah, just says, fuck this dude. And, it goes out there and fucking slaughters them. You know what I mean? That's the type of max that you need to see fight period. Um, I was watching this morning ESPN MMA posted um his banter back and forth with Khabib and mm. Khabib. Um, I'm glad that fight never happened because they're two of my favorite fighters. So I don't want to, I wouldn't want to see those dudes. Um, and for max, like, you know what will happen in that fight. Um, max has great takedown defense, but, uh, I'm pretty sure Khabib ends up getting a submission finish if that were to ever go down. <laughs> oh, Khabib beats anyone, let's be honest. Anyone at 155, nobody beats Khabib, man. I, I've i just come to terms with it. <laughs> People, the thing about Khabib, um, I'll go off on this tangent. Um, the thing about Khabib is he's a really unassuming athlete. And he has unassuming explosiveness, like his ability, his ability to level change and just go for that single leg um, and cut a corner and get the takedown is it's crazy fast. Like he goes, he goes from, he goes from striking to grappling, like his change in between striking and grappling is um, at range too. He's not in the pocket. You know, he's not in the pocket hitting you with an elbow against against the cage and then getting a single leg and then, you know, cutting an angle and getting a takedown. He's like he's beyond kicking range. Like he will throw strikes. He'll throw a jab that misses on purpose just to get the range to just get that to get that single. And he's, he's just so fucking quick. And I think his his strength, his athleticism and his speed is what really catches a lot of people off guard. Yeah, man, I'll definitely agree with the athleticism part because I've been watching more and more videos of him training and this and that. And like, you know, everybody just focuses on the wrestling. But if you actually watch what he's doing during the wrestling, like, yeah, like you said, the dude is crazy when it comes to explosiveness. Like it takes a certain caliber of athlete to generate that much power and that much speed in that amount of time. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, you're standing on the feet and then all of a sudden this dude just it just clicks like the next thing you know, you're fucking on your ass and there's nothing you can do about it in that split second that he decides, Hey, I'm going to take this dude down. Like it's, it's pretty cool to see, to be honest. And I'm, I'm not even the biggest fan of the guy to be fair. Like I'm not, I'm not a guy that enjoys watching grappling as much. Like that's such a casual take, but, um, 
if it's if it's high level grappling, then I can really appreciate it. But if it's just guys leaning on the fence, you know, trying to trying to run the clock or whatever, and then fuck that, get out of there. But I can really respect a guy like Khabib because I can see what he's doing and see how much he's improved over his level of competition. You know what I mean? It's it's if you look at the Conor McGregor fight, um, it was a second round. I've counted them because I've watched that fight a, a million times. He ended like he he landed like thirty six unanswered ground strikes in the second round of the Conor McGregor fight. Um, if that was a three round fight that was shoved down on the prelims somewhere, and it was a guy that was not named Khabib Nurmagomedov and a guy that was not named Conor McGregor fight would have probably got stopped tko stoppage the ref would have probably said yeah let's these guys are young still in the game let's let's keep this shit moving you know um but he his progression to hunt submissions and and aggressively grapple and no longer positionally grapple and try to get you out of there with ground and pound is um it's pretty fucking astounding like his difference between conor mcgregor because once he chased the sub in that fourth round of the Conor McGregor fight, he knew, oh my god, I should have probably been chasing the sub from the second round. I can get, I can have positional correctness over this dude to where he's going to make enough mistakes, and I'm going to enforce my will, and I'm just going to get him out of there. Then you look what he did to, to Dustin Poirier, and then you look what he did to, to Justin Gaethje, um, and it, the improvements in between all three of those. Like the second they hit the mat with Gaethje, it was just fucking over. It's crazy oh, shit. Man. I, I've talked about this fight with so many different people and my response is the same every fucking time. It's what the fuck version of Justin Gaethje was that in there? You know what I mean? I've never seen a guy that's supposedly one of the most aggressive, violent fighters in the sport be so fucking tentative, you know, like that was, it was hard to watch like dudes, dude's circling and and he just looked scared in there like he was so worried about getting taken down that it completely threw him off his game and it's like dude that's not you at all you're the dude who walks forward and walks through these guys and doesn't give a fuck whereas in there you were just you were throwing one strike at a time and then you were instantly on your bike trying to run away from this fucking dude like i don't know i don't know what his game plan was and i know he's got trevor whitman as a coach who's excuse me one of the best in the game but I don't know. Maybe it was just stage fright. Maybe the fucking bright lights got to him. Maybe the whole surrounding of Khabib's father dying and the and the situation being so big got to him. But yeah, fuck man, I was very very disappointed in Gaethje that night. Yeah, he landed. He sat down on two clean shots. I think it was like a, a right hook and an and, and an uppercut. Um, he hit Khabib with two clean shots, and Khabib just kept moving forward like they didn't phase him. <laughs> and that type of shit when you're Justin Gaethje and you're one shot. And you're one-shotting dudes, and you're doing what you did to Tony Ferguson, doing what you're doing to Cowboy. Um, look what he did to fucking Barboza, mm-hmm. exiting the pocket, hit him with that fucking like overhand type hook, and just completely drop. When you're doing shit like that, and then you hit somebody with two super clean shots, you sit down on shots, and it has no effect. I mean, that's got to take your ego and make it real fucking small. Yeah, absolutely, bro. <laughs> and I think the thing about that is, is Khabib's never been hit before, so that's the thing about being in a fight and never experiencing something like that is you don't know what it's like to be hit with a clean shot. Like I'm sure he's taken shit in sparring before, but in all of his fights, like dude's never really taken much damage. So 
that's that's gonna play a huge part like he he's gonna be able to take those fucking hardest shots from justin gaethje a lot better than a guy who's been in wars who's been in not sure. you know who's who's gotten knocked out before whereas khabib's just you know he's gonna be able to take a couple of, a couple of those on his chin because he hasn't before and yeah it's definitely discouraging i mean when that's your when that's your whole thing when you're based on knocking people out and you feel like you've just hit a guy with two of your hardest shots and he just says fuck you and keeps going forward oh yeah That'll make you shit your pants in there, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's just it's just weird. Um, I know we're going off on a big time tangent here, but um, something I've noticed with the Trevor Whitman fighters is they are they have great footwork and they're great pressuring fighters. They know great offensive striking, but not all of them are the most defensively sound fighters. Um, look at Justin Gaethje. Look at Rose. Yeah. Look at even Usman. Um, you know, guys that work with him now, like Pat Barry, like if you look at their fights, there is patterns of, you know, times where they've shown poor defense. Um, so I, I don't know if he had been, you know, working on just footwork and angles to defend takedowns. I don't know what, I don't know what they did in that camp, but um, apparently he said after the fight, there's no man, uh, Justin Gagey said this, that there's no man under 185 that would um, something similar to what DC said that would be able to grapple with this guy and this is a guy that has Kamaro as a main training partner I think that's still bullshit he probably was just in the moment um, in the moment and just never been dominated like that before um, so yeah it's just just crazy um, we'll move on though I want to move on to you know tweet and delete <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going to be fun because I know you enjoy this shit um, social media is your thing This is you're probably going to like this a lot um, but um, John Jones uh, what what the fuck um, are his fingers on PEDs because he's, he's tweeting a lot man what's, what's the deal what do you think about this I hate to use the term sociopath but I've heard it associated with John Jones so many fucking times you know what I mean um, let me look up this, let me look up this definition real quick, please. Cause I, <laughs> I remember, I remember I put it on, on, uh, on my story on Instagram one time, just the definition of it. And I said, who did you, who do you think this sounds like? And fucking 90% of the, the people that responded were John Jones. So hang on one second. He responded here. to you? No, 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 no. All the people that follow me, they read the definition oh, okay. and I'm like, what, what fighter does this sound like to you? Um, yeah yeah okay so sociopath a person with a personality disorder manifesting itself in an extreme antisocial attitudes behavior and okay no that's not the one i'm looking for there was another one um it was something about an ego and it just played right into how john jones looks at himself and it just fucking blew me away you know what i mean um, I would not be looking at myself in the mirror the way he does after that Dominic Reyes fight. I'll tell you that. Um, and then no. after what Jan Blahovich, a guy that you promised to fight to, um, and then left the division after he knocks out, there's just a continuous pattern of bad fucking looks for me. Like mm -hmm. you arguably lose against Dominic Reyes. Um, John Jones fans will score the fight for John Jones biasly. But like as somebody that tries to watch the fights as unbiasedly as possible, um, I don't see how you score that fight for John Jones. I just really don't. Um, the way that MMA is scored is, you know, 
number one damage, effective striking, effective grappling, and octagon control. And when you get outlanded in the striking for three straight rounds, and they're 10-9s, unless you get two 10-8s, I mean, the fight, you lost the fight. It just is what it is. Like, you, I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way MMA is scored. Um, yeah. Jones didn't get two 10-8 right. I don't, you know, I don't know how you saw it, but that's how I saw it. Yeah. Okay, so listen to this. This is what I found. It says, uh, how is someone diagnosed as a sociopath? Uh, doesn't respect social norms or laws. <laughs> Pretty obvious. Lies, lies, deceives others, uses false identities. Dude, dude just spits, you know, talks out his ass. Doesn't make any long-term plans, shows aggressive behavior, doesn't consider their own safety. Like same dude that goes out and drinks tequila and drives around with a gun in his car, you know, uh, doesn't follow up on personal or professional responsibilities doesn't feel guilt or remorse. Like this is describing John Jones to the T bro. Other possible symptoms can include being cold by not showing emotions, <laughs> using humor, intelligence, or charisma to manipulate others, having, having a sense of superiority and strong, unwavering opinions. Like that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fucking it right there, dude. Yeah. I mean, right. Like you, I mean, that's to a T you can't, um, you can't that that is John Bones Jones. Um his his actions are just so bizarre to me for someone that is the greatest fighter of all time. Um his he's just a bizarro dude. Like he when Khabib got the number one pound for pound over him, I mean we'll go back to there because that's where I think that's where it really went off the deep end for him. I feel like he felt like he got dis- disrespected by the UFC. And all of the MMA community when that happened. But, I mean, pound for pound is not overall greatness. And that's something that people don't seem to understand. They have a very hard time with understanding. Pound for pound rankings are, you know, what have you done for me lately? Not what have you done for me over time. It's what's yeah. who's the best in that moment. And in that moment, I, I, I agree. I believe that Khabib Nurmagomedov had showed more dominance. You know, he was coming off of, you know, split decisions to Thiago Santos and then a Pro- arguable loss to Dominic Reyes and look what he did to Dustin Poirier and look what he did to fucking Justin Gaethje as pure dominance you can't you know he, he didn't take that well and then and then you know he had the fight with Dom Reyes he promised Jan Blachowicz a fight and then he left the division after Jan Blachowicz knocked out Dominic Reyes which just was like a bad look for me personally um and then after, and then you know we'll get to where we are now after the Francis fight. He, I think he thought Stipe was going to win that fight, and I think he felt like he could bulk up and be a bigger guy than than Stipe. Um, and then when he saw the Francis fight, I think he was like, uh, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> what do you yeah, think, man? man. <laughs> I, uh, oh man, he's just he's such a weird dude. You know what I mean? Like he's just he. I, I remember being at the press conference for Dom Reyes, for the Dom Reyes fight. It was at UFC 245, and they had held a press conference that week. And, uh, man, he came off as the most likable version of John Jones I had ever seen. You know what I mean? He was making he was making jokes with the crowd. Like, somebody yelled at him. They said, hey, Bones, no more Coke. And he just started laughing. And he said, hell of a drug, huh? 
And then he fucking, he had the, he had the crowd eating out of the fucking palm of his hand, right? Everybody was in love with this John Jones. He says, oh, this fight with Dom Reyes is, you know, it really tickles my pickle. And same thing, everybody's just fucking eating it up, right? And then whatever happened, happened after that, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden Khabib wins and gets the pound for pound rating and John Jones just goes off the fucking deep end. Um, and then I had heard rumors that when he got arrested with, with, you know, the bottle of tequila and the gun in his car. Um, apparently he was just bored. Like, dude, you're bored. So that's what you're going to do. You can't fucking find something better to do than that. That is your definition of, you know, curing your boredom. Like, oh my God, bro. You're, you are literally one of the most talented, you know, God given, like he's got God given athletic ability. You know what I mean? Like the dude, the dude's reach, um, just the way that he's able to use his body to to help him win his fights is is not natural. You know what I mean? Um, and he's he's got all these abilities given to him, and he just fucking throws it away. You know, you oh. got two brother, you got two brothers in the NFL, two stud brothers in the NFL that would love to probably help you train and this and that. And if he really focused, dude could be putting all these people away. You know, like he was doing, like he was doing with Machida. When he was hungry, and I mean, granted, he was on coke benders and partying, but whatever it was, he was choking dudes out and dropping them on their head. And then somewhere along the way, he just lost interest. So I don't know if that's like a like a sports psychology thing. Like if he had someone on that end to help him out, maybe he could focus more. But he he just seems like he's lost, bro. You know, like he's he's got so much ability that he's able to beat these top contenders. When really he should be fucking finishing them. But because his head isn't there and he's not motivated or he's lost or whatever the fuck, he just doesn't do it. And it's such a shame to me. Yeah, it's um, I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. Um, I think when he entered his um, I don't want to say stardom. I mean, you can because essentially he was a star from the beginning. He was, you know, um, but if you look at his opponents, um, you can just go through them. Um, Rashad Evans is a, he was essentially, I mean, he had ended his career at 185, but he'd been a 185er, you know, essentially he should have been a 185er. Machida was a 185er. Chael Sonnen, another 185er. Um, I think the, I think the gap in his opponents has also really, um, closed and caught up to him as well. Um, Dominic Reyes if you look at it, you know, everybody makes a joke that he is such an athlete, blah, blah, blah. But he, he truly is probably a better athlete. Same thing at Tiago Santos, too. Like, these guys were more explosive than a Chael Sonnen. Like, you could, I mean, look how look how dangerous um, after the Tiago fight. Now Tiago's done, but up and, up to the Tiago fight and during the Tiago fight, even with two blown out knees, he was the faster guy than John Jones. He, he, he had the, the ability to enter the pocket and exit the pocket much faster. Um, same as Dominic Reyes. So I think that that gap has closed in on him over time. Um, I don't, like you said, I don't know where his head's at. I think his, his wrestling, um, has really, really, um, lost a step as well. Like I don't put too much weight into the, the Alexander Gustafson number two fight just because the way that Gust is, I don't put any weight At, at that moment. I was like, holy fuck. But you know, time come due and time pass. I'm like, eh. Gus you know, hasn't been the same guy since that first fight. Yeah, like it's 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 been weird. Um, so I you know I don't know what to think. And then um, 
he sees the performance of Francis and he says, show me the money. And I think a lot of people are shitting on Chael Sonnen's take. And they're saying Chael, you know, Chael just has beef with Jones because he lost the fight to him, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Chael just doesn't like John Jones. But um, I think he might be onto something with him not really wanting that fight because Dana said, we'll, you know, if you, you know, we'll send you the contract tonight, dude. He said it during the post-fight presser from 260. He said, we'll send you the contract tonight. Call Hunter right now. Pick up the phone and call Hunter if you're listening to this, John. Um, he said he wanted the fight. When you want the fight, I feel like that means he probably already assumed the fight, the pay for it. He already assumed, um, you know, what his end of the deal was going to be, what their end of the deal was going to be. He said he wanted the fight prior. So if, if you'd assume, you know, you'd assume that he knew what the deal was prior or having a, a good idea. And then he says, I want eight to 10 million. And then he says, I want more than eight to 10 million. So he's, um, I don't, is he trying to purposely price himself out, man? What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's such a weird thing that he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I posted about it the other day about pay-per-view sales and and this and that. And his biggest fight in his career, the DC, the second DC fight, only sold eight hundred thousand pay-per-view buys. You know what I mean? And Connor's shittiest fight against Cowboy sold over a million. You know, it was like one point eight million or something. And like I get it, dude deserves to get paid. Dude's pound for pound, like you said, arguably one of the one of the best of all time. Um, he's paid his dues. He's fought every guy that's that's been presented to him. But Dana's a businessman. You know what I mean? And it's it doesn't make sense to him to pay a guy ten million dollars when he's not going to generate those pay per view buys. It's as simple as that, right? Like the the. I don't know. Boxing's different, I guess, because I don't know where the fuck all the money from boxing comes from. But yeah, I don't know. I think the only way that John's going to get that money is if the UFC fully invests in that fight. And like I said, they should be hyping the shit out of Francis right now while he's still hot and everybody's thinking about him. And if they started, you know, pumping that and kind of making a little bit of a feud between him and John Jones right now, and then you end up having that fight, say, at the end of the year. I think you get over a million buys for sure. Cause everybody been thinking, everybody had a, you know, three quarters of a year to think about the fight. But if you're going to sign it in August and then give it to us in December, then no, I don't think you're going to do crazy numbers. So him wanting eight to 10 million. No, it's not justified. He deserves to get paid, but he's not going to get paid that much. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, so like, there's a lot of the, the opinions on this are like either how you feel or the complete opposite, where it's like John Jones has put his body through, you know, hell and high water, blah blah blah. To to you know, to he's taken damage over the years. He's he's, I mean, every fucking fighter they take damage over the years. But it's it's not like you know, I don't go to work when I go to work tomorrow. I'm not gonna show up to work and not know what I'm there to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you go to work on Monday, bro, you know what you're gonna show up and do. You know you know what to expect. That's your it's your job. So um, take that as you want. Um, you know, as a fighter, you're not like, oh my God, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm take, I'm going to get brain damage. You don't fucking find that out now in your career after you've been doing like, like, you know, that from the jump, you know, that the first day of sparring, when you went home with a fucking headache after getting your shit rocked, um, just is what it is. Um, I don't take that in consideration because they know what they're getting themselves into. I respect the fighters a, a ton. 
Um, and if you want to respect them, you also should know that they're not stupid. They're people just like me and you, and they know what they're getting themselves into. Um, yeah, with, you know what, bro? Let me sorry. Let me interrupt on that subject because sure. I caught I caught a lot of heat for that take. Um, there was a fighter that came out um, earlier this year, I think Spencer Fisher, and uh, he did an interview with I don't know if it was ESPN or who it oh, was. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, if I'd have known that I'd have been this fucked up now later in my life, I probably wouldn't have fought in the UFC. And uh, I remember I made a comment kind of the to the extent of what you just said, like, hey, man, it's not like dude didn't know what he was getting into. And then everybody was defending him going, you know, oh, he's, he's not saying that. He's just trying to make people aware and this and that. And you know what? I get that. I understand that from that end. But to say that hey, I wouldn't have done this if I'd have known that I'd be this fucked up when I'm older. That, to me, is just ignorant, you know, because you're literally going into a cage to fight another human being. Like, you're not going to work like me and fucking hammering nails all day, you know? You're going in there with the intention of either fucking somebody up or getting fucked up. So to to say to me that, oh, I, w- I wouldn't have done this, you know, if I'd have known I'd, I'd have this many injuries and, and this many struggles later on in my life, that's kind of ignorant to me, bro. And call me a dick, call me what you want, but that's my take on it. You know, if I was going to um, become a lion trainer, I would understand the risks of that. Um, if you were to Google in your phone right now, um, what happens to your brain after you get repetitive concussions? Um, you'd figure out that answer real fucking quick. Um, so it is, it's not being naive. It's being ignorant. You have the ability as a human to do your own research and figure out what you're putting your body through. Um, Google what happens if you eat a Big Mac every day. Mm-hmm. Same shit. You know what I mean? Um, so it's like, uh, it's, it's you, you, in the end of it all, John Jones knows what he's doing. He knows what he's put his body through. And um, for a guy that really is so worried about brain damage, what the fuck is he doing snorting dope and drinking booze? If mm-hmm. you're if you're very considered about your if you're very if you're very concerned about your health, why are you a father of I believe four children? Um and you are still out doing God knows what. If you're really concerned about your health, you're not you're not drinking booze and you know, cause stuff like that is is is, you know, also pretty fucking bad for your brain. Yeah. Um he lost his sponsors too. So if he really cared about money, then why is he losing Gatorade and Nike as a sponsor? Why is he out putting himself in those positions to lose those sponsors? Yes, he was young. Um, but Bro, not enough people talk about that. Like he lost Nike and he lost the Reebok deal and he lost the Gatorade deal. Like, I don't want to say millions of dollars, but probably six figures. You know what I mean? And then who knows? Like even just being signed to them. You don't know where that fucking deal is going to go over time. He could be on the next. He could have been on a Nike commercial, dude. That's what I'm saying, bro. Dude, you could have been a face of Nike. You know, like LeBron James is going to live off Nike money for his next six lifetimes. Yeah. You know what his I mean? kids, dude. That's, they're living off royalties. Yeah. So, yeah, to to look at it from that aspect. And then I, I got an argument from people again. They're like, oh, it has nothing to do with with what's, you know, what they're paying him to fight. And I said, no, it doesn't, but, you know, maybe he wouldn't be such an asshole and maybe he wouldn't be so arrogant and feel like he's owed a bunch of things if he's sitting pretty with fucking $20 million in Nike money. Maybe he'll be like Connor and just wants to fight for the sport, you know? 
yeah, I mean, you know, um, whether you like Connor or not, you know damn well that dude does not need to ever get punched in the face again for another dollar in his life. Um, mm. His spending habits are poor. I don't I don't believe he has good spending habits. If you follow him on social media, um, he, he definitely flaunts his money spending. But at the same time, when you get out the mud and you grow up broke and you, you know, swing a hammer growing up and you live off, you know, and you and or he was a plumber, actually not a carpenter. And you're mm-hmm. a plumber and you have no money and you live off government assistance and then you come into, you know, large sums of money. Yeah, I'm going to fucking post a picture of my yacht, you know, so I don't, I don't blame the dude for that. Um, and John Jones is, was has been in a position to um, obtain a, a he, he maintains a good lifestyle. You know, the dude's living, um, you know, where he lives and all that. You see his place of post on social media. He's you know, he's a all of a sudden became like a firearm aficionado. So that that's not a cheap hobby either. The dude has money. He's not broke. Um, but he could probably have a lot more. Mm-hmm. You could tell he's probably not the wisest dude with his money, and maybe that's why he's asking for this money. But um, to the root of it, I really think it's more of um, I need to get paid $10 million so I never have to fight again if I lose. Because um, if he eats those same shots he ate against Dominic Reyes against Francis, there is no human on this planet that can take that it just is what it is like stipe you know one of the toughest dudes that's ever fought period in all combat sports um a dude that's taken damage um still got put out yeah and everybody's <laughs> been dude everybody's been talking to me about john jones being one of the smartest fighters and game planning and oblique kicks and this and that and that's all fine and well it's it's good but dude it's heavyweight it just takes one fucking shot. Alexander Volkov won fucking, you know, two minutes and or two rounds and four minutes and fucking 50 seconds against Derek Lewis, you know, and he got put out in the last, what, 10 seconds. So same thing with same thing with John Jones. Heavyweight is a different animal, bro. Like there's that's the one weight class where. You can have the best game plan in the world, but at any point in the fight, you can be fucking put to sleep. And like you said, bro, if if he gets hit with even one of those shots that yeah that he's been eating over his past few fights, yeah, he's going he's going out. It's gonna be if, it for him. If he doesn't go out, he's gonna get put on skates real fucking quick. And um, as we know now, Francis has a hell of a high kick. And if you get put on skates and you're circling the same way you circled circled against Dominic Reyes. And good old Francie decides to fucking cut that angle and cut you off and make you connect into his fucking shin. Um, probably not going to be good for you. <laughs> I mean, um, it's it's scary power. I don't know if there's ever been um, another person in combat sports that hits like Francis. It's kind of astonishing. The uppercut he finished. I mean, Stipe was already rocked. And he, if you watch the fight back, um, Stipe does that. Um, he's like exiting the pocket as he's being pressured, and then he'll like step, plant his feet, and throw a straight shot down the pipe. Um, Francis wasn't on skates, but you could tell like he had to reset before he threw that fucking short little one foot shovel hook that fucking knocked Stipe out. Um, but that punch went about this far, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that punch, if you for listeners, that's probably eighteen inches. Like, that punch did not travel far. Um, The switch stance from a jab to a straight left that he dropped Stipe with 
um, was a very straight shot. And he didn't really sit down on it. He was in between a stance switch, sort of, when he threw that. And it still completely dropped Stipe. So, I mean, good luck if you got to fucking fight Francis Ngannou, man. Um, yeah. Good fucking the, uh, luck. <laughs> the, only guy, the only guy at heavyweight that I'll put on par with him is Derek Lewis. And I, I still think Francis has more power, but... With the one-shot knockouts we've seen with Derek Lewis, like most recently with Curtis Blades. Oh, like, God. Yeah. The timing. Some, his timing some, is impeccable. Just some fucking killers up there, you know? It's And then not even... Go look at the Volkov fight against Overeem. Like, Volkov is now pressuring and being aggressive. Volkov, if not people are talking about this, Volkov has put on, like, 25, 30 pounds. Like, Volkov's looking huge, dude, and he's sitting on punches... Um, yeah. He is probably the most intelligent striker as far as um, shot placement where he knows, okay, if you have your guard up this way, he's able to put shots in between your guard and stuff like that. He's What he did to Overeem was... Um, I know, it's sad. It's, sad yeah. for an OG fan <laughs> to see, bro. And he just signed to fight Gone, Cyril Gone. They just signed that fight, so that'll yeah. be a good one too. That's on my list here to talk about. Um I think Volkov's if if he doesn't grapple, I think Volkov's gonna tag him on the feet bad. I think I like Volkov in that fight, and I think Volkov's gonna be the underdog too. Oh, he will be for sure. There's a whole lot of hype behind uh, Cyril Gon, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm with it. I agree that he should be the favorite. Um, I'm on the fence with it. I haven't seen. I don't put anything into the JDS fight, and I don't put anything into the Jarzino fight besides fight IQ and knowing he doesn't have to get himself in trouble. To win a fight, so I respect that. Um, yeah, Jarzino, dude, Jarzino's pissed me off that fight. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what the fuck he was doing in that fight, but it, he, he didn't come to fight. <laughs> Bro, it's the same shit that happened. It's the same shit that happened to Francis after the first Stipe fight happened to Jarzino after the Francis the, fight. The Derek Lewis fight. Yeah. Like, the Derek Lewis yeah. fight happened after the Stipe fight for Francis, and then oh, right, this, right, fight, yeah, yeah. this fight with Gone happened with with Jarzino after the fucking Francis fight. I think he's like, this dude is just as big as Francis. This is Francis's training partner. Look what he just yeah. did to JDS. I I'm he was like scared to do exchange once in the pocket. Like there was no prolonged exchanges in the pocket from him and that's how I was going to win the fight and he refused to do it. Um, it's very it's very crazy to see how people react like these undefeated fighters that aren't aren't used to losing. And then all of a sudden they get slept. It's very crazy to see. Same with Darren Till. Guy hasn't been the same since the Masvidal fight. He's all of a sudden become this, you know, pick you apart, stay on the outside striker. Whereas before he was in there right in guy's face trying to put him away. But now he's the same thing. Yeah, I think he's, it's a very, very weird kind of mind game that it plays with you when you get knocked out. When you're used to being an undefeated, untouchable fighter, you know. Especially if you get embarrassed. It's if, especially if it doesn't come after a, a you know a three, a two and a half round war, a four and a half round war. Those are respectful. Like um, you know, I'm going back to Stipe, but like Stipe and DC, where he finished him in the you know he finished him there towards yeah, the end sure. of the fight. You know, you I, I respect Stipe and DC both for that fight, but you know, in the like the Woodley fight with Till even that was prior to the Masvidal fight. Mm-hmm. Um, he got completely ran through. He, he landed zero significant strikes. He got clubbed in that. If you want to know the definition of club and sub that fucking fight right there. Um, 
so it's strange um it's just strange like you said how guys will you know get completely you know completely dominated or, or get completely embarrassed and finished bad what it does to the undefeated records um you know it gives them that that first one and you know it's a lot of them lose their fucking ego um mm-hmm. so we're talking about matchups man let's let's move on um there's a lot of cool shit that got announced. Um, we just touched on Volkov and Gon. Is there anything else you want to say on that? You like Gon, I like Volkov. Volkov's a dog, probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's it should be one that jumps off the page at me, but it's not. You know, I don't know why it doesn't. Maybe it's just because I haven't been too excited about the two of them. You know, like I, Volkov was impressive against Overeem. I'll give him that. But Overeem was on his way out. Sure. And gone, gone. I'm hearing a lot of things about a lot of things that I could be excited about, but I just haven't found that need to watch his fights yet. You know, I hear his name and I'm not like, oh fuck, Cyril Gone's fighting this weekend. He hasn't, he hasn't got there yet for me. You have Let's no reason to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't really have much. I mean, I, I don't. Um, if you're a guy like me, I watch every single fight. That's just me. I, you know, um, there are the fights that I'll go take a dump for and i'll still be watching on my phone you know that's those type of fights or you maybe go flip the burgers on the grill or something like that you don't really give too much of a shit um and for a main event fighter and both of these dudes i care about volkov because i like him um but for gone you know after the jds performance knowing where jds is at now on his way out as well and um the jarzino rosenstrike fight i mean are you excited about his tanner bozer fight he's from canada does that make you excited (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> cool <laughs> i mean yeah. i feel it bro it's just it is what it is like yeah, there's nothing man. it doesn't get your dick hard yet um yeah if he has a curtis blades performance against volkov how are you gonna feel if gone does yeah like if he just goes out there and, and wrestles him kind of thing yeah <sighs> same boat know. huh same you know, <laughs> because he's a good fighter you know and I can respect that. It was like me with Khabib for the longest time. Yeah. Khabib, Khabib wasn't finishing guys, but I knew he was a good fucking fighter, you know? But I don't know. Like I say, I just don't have anything jumping off the page to get me excited about Cyril Gone right now. I mean, I, I, I understand why the media and the UFC and the fans are all hyping him to the level they are. I do see his athleticism. I do see his abilities. Um, but he's a young fighter. I think he's only like 7-0. and oh, He's undefeated. He's got like seven pro yeah, fights man. or nine pro fights. Um, and if you really look at his record, you could really pick that record apart real fucking easy. It is heavyweight, so I understand you know, why he's in the position he's in. But just like you said, I haven't seen a, a performance that makes me jump on the Cyril Gone train. Um, and... I think it was this morning that RDA tweeted. He said, you know, Justin, you don't have an opponent. Um, let's go. Did you see that? I did, bro. What do you I think? I love that tweet. I love that tweet. You know what? RDA is a guy to me that's just been through the ringer, man. He's done it all. He's 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 fought whoever the fuck they put in front of him. He went up to welterweight. He, he won the title and He's almost like an underdog story to me, you know. Like he yeah. went from being he went from being on a Jeremy Stevens highlight reel to being, you know, one of the better fighters we've seen in the past fucking ten years. And I think fuck, who did he fight in his last fight at lightweight? Paul Felder. 
Um, short granted, notice was, fight. But yeah, still. short notice fight. Short notice fight. But he just seems re-energized now. Yeah. You know, I think he's kind of got, he's got one last run in him. But there's a difference when I say one last run when you're talking about like an Alistair Overeem one last run where it's yeah. like he's on the verge of retirement and he, we're not expecting him to really go anywhere. Whereas a one last run for RDA means, hey, this dude could legitimately challenge for the fucking lightweight title again. He has all the skills. He's very well-rounded in all aspects of the sport. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see what he does. And as far as Justin Gaethje goes... He could give Gaethje problems, absolutely, just on experience alone and the guys he's fought. He's not going to be scared of them. He's fought fucking killers. He's fought who's who at welterweight and lightweight. Yeah. So, I mean, Even outside of the number one apparent um, deficiency in Justin Gaethje's game, which would be his grappling, I don't think there's ever been a grappler at... I don't think there's ever been a fighter in the UFC or MMA that's imposed their grappling like Khabib has, so he's an anomaly. Um, but we will see if um, RDA can impose his grappling because RDA is a good grappler. He's got a great top game. He's got a great head and arm choke. Um, he's a good striker. But something that people sleep on, too, is that motherfucker's a good leg kicker. He might mm-hmm. be a dude that could go tit for tat and leg kick. I don't think anyone can go tit for tat with Justin Gaethje on leg kicks. But enough to where um, if you look back at the Jan, the Jan Blahovich and Israel Adesanya fight, I think Izzy has never fought a dude as willing to check leg kicks and have the ability to check them like Jan Blachowicz did. And um, someone that throws leg kicks is also normally good at checking leg kicks. So I think that's going to be something that could give uh, Gaethje some problems. Um, RD8, if you look at his record, the dude might have the toughest record in all of MMA. The dude has fought Colby Cummington. The dude has fought Khabib. The dude has fought fucking Kamara Usman. He's fought fucking... Robbie, yeah, Robbie, Robbie Lawler. Lawler like, dominated yeah, Robbie man. Lawler. Like, dude, he's, the, he's fucking... He's good, man. Like, RDA is, he's, um, I think he just wasn't, he could have made 155 the whole time. We'll just say that. I think so, too. But I think it was good for him to get up and kind of do beat. other things. But I think yeah, he needed I mean, to get he, beat. He needed to take yeah, a couple losses. Sure. He, he needed for to take sure. those losses and realize, um, I'm a really great fighter, but I need to be in my proper weight class. I think that really made him think if I just do things a little bit more disciplined. Um, people think that just making weight is something that these guys do, that they just live a normal life like a regular fucking athlete. And then, you know, two weeks out, they start cutting weight. And then the last 48 hours, they go in the sauna. Bowl. Like, if you don't know what it takes to cut weight, um, I'm about to tell you that it's probably, if you're listening to this, your body probably cannot handle a weight cut that any ufc fighter makes you will probably have kidney failure and you'll probably have to go to the hospital if you were listening to this and you jump off your couch and you try to do a weight cut like these guys do you'll you might die um it's fucking real what it takes to cut weight is real fucking real um and it's a complete lifestyle change you can't just become a 155er from 170 in two months like you would be able to maybe you know go on a diet and drop 10 or 15 pounds you have to change your whole physical makeup to cut that weight properly it's safely and not fucking die um so i think that's something he learned that he had to do moving up to 170 yeah man i'm like i was watching um mike perry mike perry's instagram stories recently and like all mike perry is posting is just pictures of his diet plans and his meal plans you know 
So dude is struggling to make 170, and he's been doing this for, you know, two, three, four weeks now. I think his fight's next weekend against D-Rod. So it's like, yeah, these guys literally make it their life to cut weight, and it's fucking probably want they're they're probably so excited to go in there and fight that they're not even worried about getting fucking knocked out anymore because they're they're just happy that they don't have to fucking cut weight anymore and they don't have to eat like shit you know yeah i mean like people you just can't like you could not i could not jump off my couch and drop 25 pounds tomorrow like I would probably the way that i live my lifestyle like i'm not the healthiest person but i'm also pretty active um but like if you've eaten mcdonald's within the last week of your life you probably don't have the physical ability to just jump off the couch and start cutting weight and make that weight like your body um there's been fucking stories like darren till said he completely lost his eyesight for like several minutes cutting weight once and these are dudes that like you know eat brown rice and broccoli and four ounces of chicken for eight weeks (laughs) you know like so that's fucking real dude um so uh, kudos to rda for that call out um he might fuck around and get it too um Mm -hmm. you can't say he doesn't deserve it um that's right i mean that's that's the thing is is who are we to say that he doesn't deserve that fight you look at his track record i mean if gaethje wins that fight it's just another notch on gaethje's belt because it's not like he's it's not like he's doing what leon edwards did and and his fighting Bilal and not gaining anything from that fight like you beat RDA you beat a former champion so that's not going to move you down in the rankings you know if anything it's going to put you right up there and can title title contention again especially if he puts on a fucking good performance against them right oh, I mean do you respect Bilal Muhammad or RDA who do you respect more I respect both guys but who do you respect more that's exactly it you, you, the, like, uh, a guy a guy winning against RDA. Granted, it's different weight classes, but you hear, okay, Leon Edwards beat Bilal Muhammad on a short notice fight, or Justin Gaethje beat RDA on a short notice fight. Kind of jumps off the page to you which one you're more impressed with, right? Yeah. As a And as a matchmaker moving forward, you don't look at um, – we'll cover Nate Diaz later. Um, but you don't look at a win against Bilal Muhammad as like Leon Edwards deserves a title fight now. Um, newsflash, Justin Gaethje's not getting the next title fight unless Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier both need ACL, MCL, knee reconstructive surgery. Yeah. Um, winner of that fight is fighting for the title next. Um, so that's something that, I mean, everyone's got to keep in mind. So this is a, you know, a next up after that. So they're, they're essentially second in line. So if um, RDA does beat Justin Gaethje, and say Conor McGregor, you know, ends up beating Dustin Poirier and beating the winner of Oliveira and Chandler, we can maybe finally see that fight or, you know, um, something like that. Um, and if Gaethje wins and if Gaethje wins and, you know, we could see Gaethje Dustin too, which is a fucking banger, a, a fucking slept on ass fight. And then, or we could see Gaethje and McGregor. Um, that would, you know, that would be great. Or Gaethje, any of those matchups are amazing at 155. And just throwing RDA in the mix makes it even better. So, you know, like I said, good shit for RDA. Um, we touched on Nate. We'll go over that for a second. Um, just like, what the fuck, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. He's a, he's a needle mover is what it is. Um, people can say that he's not, but he is. 
um, as he's far one of the as him. Draws. He's yeah, one of the biggest draws in the UFC, whether you like to hear that or not. I mean, he fucking is. It is what it is. Yeah, and him fighting Leon is, uh, I don't know, man. Nate's Nate's always been a gamer, bro. He's a bit of a slow starter, but he's a fucking gamer. So people are saying Leon's going to win easily and this and that, but Nate Diaz is just one of those guys that on any given night, he can fucking beat anyone on the roster, bro. We saw that with McGregor. You know, Nate, Nate, Nate could lose a couple in a row because he's it's like a Robbie Lawler. He's just not interested, you know. He's he's checked out. He doesn't give a fuck. But if he checks in and he's on his game, yeah, he'll compete with anybody in the the best in the world on any given night. I don't even care that he's getting older because he's still I still firmly believe he can. Look what he did against Anthony Pettis, right? He looked fucking unbelievable. And then the only reason he took that Jorge Masvidal fight was because he was basically pressured into it. He, he'd openly admitted afterward, like, "Hey, I probably, you know, I probably should have some t- should have taken some time off between that Pettis fight, but they kind of just threw me into the mix. And who am I to say no when they're going to promote the shit out of me, right? So, yeah, it's I'm very interested to see what Nate Diaz shows up on fight night. Yeah, um, Jorge and and Diaz got put together pretty quick. Um, but at the same time, like they're obviously both down for it and they both got paid a fucking pretty penny for it. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, take that fucking fight. Either one of those dudes would have been stupid to turn that fight down. Um, when and, the, and honestly, like we all knew where that fight was headed. And that was the best way that Nate Diaz could have lost that fight. Um, he could say I wasn't out. You didn't finish me. You know, his typical shit. You know, this was a, some bullshit doctor stoppage. I would have kept going. Um, Nate Diaz fans believe he was starting to make a come around. Um he, I believe he probably dropped a couple 10-8 rounds, so it would have been a hard one to come back from. But still, um, that's the best way you can lose a fight if you're Nate Diaz, I think. Um, regardless, win, lose, or draw, there's so many things you can do after this. Like if Connor drops this fight with Dustin and Diaz wins or loses this fight, um, you can make that fight. If he beats, um, I'm sure you've seen this, like imagine Crazy World, um, Jorge knocks out Usman in the first round. And then Diaz beats Leon Edwards. They can do a BMF, you know, welterweight title. That's crazy, right? That's wild, right? The rankings would absolutely, you know, fighters on the roster would fucking go nuts. You'd have to do it, though. You'd have to do it. Yeah, you would. It It just makes sense, bro. It's fucked up because the rankings would be totally out to lunch. But, yeah, because of the draws and the history, of course, you have to fucking do it. And you would make stupid money off of it, too. That's going to make more than any John Jones fight. For sure. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Yeah. Like, if you're a John Jones fan and you think he needs to make $10 million, um, there's guys that are coming off of losses that have that are more of a draw in the UFC um, than John Jones. So that, you know, unfortunately, that's a fact. Um, if I think the odds came out already. I think uh, Nate is a, like, plus 225 underdog um, where he should be. But like you said, dude, he could come out and... Um, Leon Edwards looked good against Bilal Muhammad, but like that was a very small sample size to tell whether you look good or not. Yeah, bro. It's not going to be anything that Nate Diaz hasn't seen before. You know, Nate can fucking bang with the, with the best of them. And Leon's, I don't know. What the fuck does Leon Edwards have that Nate Diaz doesn't have? You know, he's a little bit, a little bit of momentum and a little bit of, you know, hype behind them, but Technically, he's 
he's probably like a straighter puncher and he's technically more of an athletic dude and he's he's probably got a little more snap on his punches and he's probably more of an accurate puncher but he's not tougher than him no. he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a better ground game Nate it's Diaz a is very, dude it's a very winnable fight for Nate Diaz he should be the underdog um but if you give me odds i would say probably like 60 40 you know yeah i'm not mad at that um maybe like if you want if if Leon Edwards is in his best physical shape maybe 65 35 but i still think that's being too nice um i think it's probably like 60 40 odds if you you know look at it percentage wise um Leon Edwards like i was saying is probably like a you know more technical striker he's probably got a little more pop on his punches he throws straighter shots he's probably a better combination puncher but uh look at the Michael Johnson fight could fucking end up looking like that you know mm-hmm. who knows like Nate Diaz when he comes and shows out um I don't love the guy I respect the guy he's not like my favorite fighter I um but I respect the skill set and I think he can you know be tough if his um he needs to just like put four gallons of Vaseline on his face and not get cut <laughs> I don't know yeah. I mean, it's the same fucking scar tissue on the one side of his face every fight yeah man just just don't get fucking hit there, Nate. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's good in the clinch, um, but he struggles. He's good in the clinch. He's like unassumingly pretty big, and he's unassumingly strong in the clinch. Like he's got that. He's got a good clinch game. Um, but his his overhooks and his tie ups are a little flawed because he eats a lot of elbows in the clinch. Like look at the Harry Mosfidal fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Leon Edwards is as. Um, Jorge Masvidal is a mean fighter. Like he's got bad intentions when he fights. I don't think Leon Edwards has that in him. He doesn't have that dog in him. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't seem like a fucking killer. Yeah, I'll agree with that because he tagged Bilal a couple times. But yeah, I don't know. Same thing. You hear Leon Edwards, and you're like, yeah. I used to call him the decision king. You know what I mean? I mean, he still is. It's it's exactly it. You know? <laughs> How can you, you get- call a guy a killer that just fucking grinds out decisions yeah sure they're dominant wins but you're not out there fucking putting guys away he doesn't have bad intentions yeah that's exactly it like he doesn't have bad intentions like jorge i mean prime example something that we've seen a million times ben Askren fight you could fit it on a fucking gif he hit ben with that knee and his super necessary um you know final punches that the fight was already over but like the dude has bad intentions. I don't yeah, think it's that Edwards. killer instinct, bro. You either got it or you don't. Same with Derek Lewis when he knocked out Blades. Like he said, he, he, he said, I, yeah, he said, I can't just stop. You know what I mean? I'm still in kill mode. Mike Tyson said that too. He said, uh, I've heard him on his podcast talking about it. And he says, he says he almost, he almost didn't like that. He knocked guys out so quickly because he said, I can't just turn the switch off. You know what I mean? He says, yeah, I went out there. This. Yeah, I went out there and I trained all this time to fight this guy and I knock him out in 30 seconds. I'm still going to have that same adrenaline rush. Fucking I want to go three, kill someone after this. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's crazy to think about. It's just a switch that goes off in their head that just, you know, um, it'd be the equivalent. Like if you were to come home and there was like some dude in your house on top of your lady that had broken mm-hmm. in, you know, you know what I mean? Like something like that. Like it's just a switch. It's like a, um, I guess you could call it like a fight or flight type thing, but those dudes just go into kill mode. Like they don't, um, they don't want to stop. Yeah. Uh, we, Bilal just got booked with Demi and Maya. Um, I'm supposed to care, but I don't. Yeah. I don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
You know, um, Damien's Damien's on his way out, and Bilal's fucking like we saw. Good for him for stepping up and taking a main event fight, but he's, you know, top ten right now, maybe maybe just outside. So I don't I really don't, care. I don't think he's that good. I think he's got a lot of friends in high places in the UFC. I fucking hate that I'm saying this because he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like he's got friends in high places in the UFC. Like he is really good friends with John Anik. He has that show on John Anik's podcast network. Um, yeah. But, and he's good. He's got a good social media presence too, which always helps, right? But like, it's um, he's not. He's not that good. I'll just say it. He's yeah, not I that good. I I think he's a good pressure, and he's got a good gas tank, but he's got really poor defense. Um, he can't check a leg kick. You saw it against a Diego Lima fight. Diego Lima stinks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And if Diego Lima would have sat down on some shots after landing those solid leg kicks, like he could, he could put Bilal in a lot of trouble. Um, like speaking of leg kicks and a guy that hits hard, we'll just bring Justin Gaethje back up. But if they book a fight at 170, Justin Gaethje's knocking out Bilal Muhammad. Oh, for sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, there's, if, there's just nothing. There's nothing about Bilal Muhammad to me that says he's not throwing. top top five or even fucking top ten contender. You know. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna see a highlight reel of Bilal Muhammad knocking out motherfuckers. It's just not gonna happen. I don't even think there's a Bilal Muhammad highlight reel on YouTube. <laughs> I I hate that we're shitting on him because he's such a good dude. He's not a such, bad dude. He's not. That's a bad what I mean. Dude. He has a good story. But if we take all that out of the equation and we're just talking about Bilal Muhammad as a fighter, fucking gatekeeper. How about that? I mean. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's um, but good for him. I think him stepping up and getting eye poked. I feel like the UFC feels like they owe him one. So for that's sure. where we're at. With, that's where we're at with this Demi Amaya fight. Um, even though Demi Amaya, this I believe this is the last fight on his contract. I believe he's going to be retiring after this. Um, because yeah. this was supposed to be Diego Sanchez at one point. Um, yeah, but you know what? Bilal will win that fight if he doesn't fuck up and get back hooked. You know what something. I mean? Yeah, human backpacked, but he should win that fight. But winning that fight doesn't do shit for him. Or me, or you. <laughs> no, I mean I'm just being honest. Like it, I know, I know, bro. As a fan, I'm not like now. I gotta see now. I gotta see Bilal Muhammad versus Colby Covington. Yeah, it's nothing um, but a payday for him. You know what's fucking weird, dude? Um, after Vincente Luque um finished uh Woodley. He called out Nate Diaz, and I fucking laughed at him. And then now we got fucking Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards, so maybe he could have got that fight, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see, like, um, I and it would have been that. a, it probably would have been a better fight. Oh, it would have been a banger. Yeah, for sure. I think I think Luke presents more of more trouble to Diaz than fucking Leon does. <laughs> Yeah. Because Luke will, Luke will fight like Jorge did. He'll stand in front of you and take your best shot, and then fucking put you on your ass. Yeah, Luke's good. He's tough yeah. as shit. And his decision making, um, he has losses on his record. He has quite a bit of them. Um, but his decision making in fights after being hurt is really well. Like he's a cerebral dude. Yes, he takes losses. Like Woodley did style on him. Not Woodley. Wonder Boy styled on him. That's fucking Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy is gonna. If you try to go tit for tat with Wonder Boy in a striking match at range, in range, entering and exiting the pocket, he's gonna be faster. Every time. You're gonna lose every time. He's he's got so he's um. People think Israel Adesanya is the best striker in the UFC. Um, I think Wonder Boy possesses more striking tools. 
Um, he's older than he is, and he's probably not in the same athletic prime that Izzy is in. Um, but I think I think Wonder. I mean, Wonder Boy is just. I think he's a phenomenal striker. I think he's pretty slept on as one of the best strikers in the UFC. Um, but yeah, fucking. I just the way that these fights have been getting matched up, man, is crazy. Um, Ige and Zombie are now matched up. Danny Gay and Zombie. That's another one that Ige asked for and got. Um, you know what, bro? I'm gonna say it, and I don't know. It might be a, it might be an unpopular take, but I think Zombie's overrated. I don't know how I feel about that, which means I don't disagree <laughs> and I don't agree. Um, yeah, I think he's overrated, bro. He's he had that long, you know, that long. He went. He basically joined the army in Korea, or wherever. Um, yeah. Joined the military there, um, and then he came back. He fucked up Frankie Edgar, but that was right after Brian Ortega fucked him up. Mm-hmm. And then he had the fight with Brian Ortega, and he was a big favorite going into that fight. I thought he was going to win that fight. I was like, "Oh, Ortega is not a good striker." Look at his fight against Max Holloway. Um, looking back, maybe I just disrespected Holloway a little bit, which kind of makes me feel sad. Um, because okay, so so look at this. He's fought Ortega, and like you said, he beat Frankie Edgar, who was just, you know, Frankie Edgar on his way out and coming off a loss or whatever. He beat Moicano, average at best. That was a good he, win, but the, the win is getting worse and worse as time goes on. He lost to Yaya Rodriguez. He uh, was dominating him, but then he got hit with the weird elbow thing. Um, but beat, still, you got knocked out. He beat Dennis Bermudez, who's fucking garbage trash lost to aldo and this is going back in time now 2014 it's 2013 he has a win over dustin poyer but that was in 2012 but beyond that bro like dude doesn't have that many big names on his resume and anybody that is a big name on his resume he's taking a loss to brian ortega yari rodriguez jose aldo and then you can go back to his wec days he lost to Leonard Garcia. He lost to fucking George Roop. George Roop what almost killed this? him in that fight. Oh, fuck. This was really 2010. Yeah. 2010. So, like, but these are... Yeah. Like, he's he, fought dudes he just ha- 10 he, years ago. <laughs> like, yeah, and he, he, he just hasn't beaten anybody lately for me to be like, oh, zombie's a title contender, you know? If he'd have beaten Ortega, sure. For sure, I'd have yeah, sure. given him a shot. But he didn't. And I didn't think he was going to beat Ortega, you know, so it's um, you can like you said, his record looks good. But then you start looking at the dates and then you get yeah, deep. You, you start digging into his record deeper and you're like, wait a second. Yeah, he beat Dustin Poirier in 2011. What happens if he beat if he fought Dustin Poirier tomorrow or last week? He gets his fucking ass kicked, man. You know, <laughs> so like it's it's just um the time lapse and, you know, the caliber of opponent then and now. Is so different, but I think people played into, you know, he just beat Dustin Poirier. Damn, I just saw what Dustin Poirier did to Justin Gaethje. Yeah. You know, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, they just see that they just see that name on the record, but they don't actually go back and look when he beat him, you know? So it's it's and then for Dan Ige, um, his win against Gavin Tucker was real fucking <sighs> impressive. Fucking hurt, man. That's our that's our Canadian boy that got knocked out in fucking ten seconds or whatever it was. And I think Gavin Tucker's really good. I actually He's liked, very good. I liked him in that fight. I thought he was gonna be able to win that fight. Um he just got caught slipping and Ige I mean, that's it. He just got caught slipping. Um Ige landed one shot in the whole fight. 
clean punch, man. Can't, <laughs> like, can't fucking put that combo together any better than he did. So yeah. good on you. And I don't think he could ever do it again either. No, I don't think you so. You know what I mean? Like, no, I think it was just one of those everything fucking perfect time, perfect place kind of thing. Because Danny Ige ain't no knockout artist. No. You know, he can finish guys, but he's not a one-punch knockout guy. And that just happened to be everything coming together that night. I think it's a good fight for Ige. I think it's a winnable I mean, fight for both dudes. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, Like, look at his fight with Calvin Cater. Calvin Cater completely dominated him in the striking. And then even the Barboza fight, I think Barboza won that fight. Um, I think kind of Barboza. Barboza. Yeah, that's a that's a fight that all same thing. Uh, I'll see a different guy won every time, you know. Even even as like Felder fights and shit, like Barboza is one of those dudes that just gets the short. He gets fucked. He gets the short under the stick in decisions. Angela Hill has that same fucking problem, too. Um, bro, can I just interrupt you for a second? Yeah, because I don't. I don't know why I don't like Angela Hill. I don't fighter, like her either. But I, don't I like just her don't. I just don't, bro. I think she's she's in this past couple years. She's just gotten this big ego on her, thinking that she deserves these big fights. And it's always been the same thing with Angela Hill. You can't stop a takedown. You know what I mean? The only way Angela Hill's ever won her fights is because she outstrikes them. She has those elbows and this and that. But anytime that it comes down to a fight where there's grappling and, and fucking ground game involved, she loses. She hasn't progressed at all, you know? And and then she goes on feeling like she's owed these fights, like going off on Tisha Torres. Oh, Tisha's scared. No, Tisha's not fucking scared. Tisha just moved on, you know? Um, You're no one I don't to know. be scared of. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Angela Hill. I just it's not for me, bro. You're dominating Ashley Yoder and you're still getting taken down. Yeah, you know. What, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Um, I'm really glad you feel the same way I do because I'm like one of those dudes that everybody thinks that she's so lovable and shit. Yeah, I think she's kind of smug. Yeah, I don't like her That's personality. That's what I get from her too, bro. Um, you know, we're on the like same you vibe, got bro. this. <laughs> You got this kind of cocky air about you, and it's like, why do you have this kind of air about you? Who the fuck have you beat? You beat some decent people, but you never beat any top people, you know? The the problem, um, I don't know if it's a problem, but I think what I think is, um, I think it's her position on the UFC desk. Yeah, um, man. And I think that makes her feel like she's more, um, you need to be more like Paul Felder. And her as a fighter always ends up getting mad at these close decisions. She's she's done it numerous times where she gets pissed off at a judge's decision because the fighter always goes to or the fight always goes to the person that has the takedowns. And it's like, man, maybe you should just learn how to stop takedowns. Or maybe you should throw in a takedown, you know? You're clearly not winning these fights by throwing elbows, which you think are winning you fights, but it's not. So I I just don't I kind of lose respect for people that that complain and don't change their game plans and continue to lose fights and they blame others. You know what I mean? Oh, it's the judge's fault. No, it's because you haven't advanced is what it is. You just come out, you come out and you fight the same fight over and over again and you get fucked by the judges and then you don't, you don't learn anything from it. So that's where I get frustrated. Yeah. And it's just like you said, it's a continuous pattern. Um, if you're a striker and every time you exit the pocket, you drop your right hand and you've been knocked out that way five times in a row, yeah. um, you'd, you'd think that you'd be able to make the adjustment. Um, her husband is also her head coach. Yeah, right. And all, all I ever see them doing is hitting pads. Yeah. 
there i don't see them drilling any grappling i don't ever see her drill any grappling um yeah so there's two there's two ways to be a um defensive grappler um number one is just using defense obviously and then number two using your offense as defense and then making people not want to grapple with you from the jump um Mm -hmm. if you have an active guard and you attack off your back um people may be more you know people may be less likely to try to take you down because they know you're dangerous off your back so you don't see anything off of her back once she's there and then you don't see anything to defend takedowns you don't see many you don't see any great sprawling from her you don't see um underhooks and you know gaining the proper position in the clinch it's it's a double whammy for me because not only does she have very poor jujitsu because she doesn't attack off her back when she gets there but she has poor wrestling um she she doesn't defend the takedowns either yeah i mean it is what it is great girl <laughs> great girl you know what i'm saying but if we're she's not a bad her, person no um but i'm i'm talking strictly just from a fighter's perspective i just don't i don't like how she she carries herself with that kind of cocky attitude expecting to win these fights when she doesn't progress for sure i mean she like you said she just um her that and that doesn't mesh with me as a personality like that's just not a personality trait that i'm like damn you know i like her so whatever you know cool um we're talking about wonder boy wonder boy and burns that got booked um mm-hmm. I'm kind of stoked for that. I yeah, think it's a sleeper fight. Yeah, Wonder Boy might fuck around and knock him out. He might, depending on how Burns. Uh, that's the thing, is it? Once every fighter go comes back from a big knockout, their first fight back is always a big. I don't want to say it's a wash, but it it doesn't determine anything. It's a question for me. mark. It's a big question yeah. mark. Yeah, because they could they could, you know, come back from a loss and they could win a decision or they could fuck around and get knocked out in the first round, but. I don't think that's going to impact their career in the long run. I think everybody's first fight back after a pretty bad knockout or a title loss is just them trying to get back on their feet. You know, they got to get that one out of the way and then move on from there. I think Wonder Boy's a bad dude to do that against, though. Oh, yeah. He's probably going to frustrate the shit out of Gilbert. Gilbert's best bet is to try and take him down, but Wonder Boy's going to do Wonder Boy and he's going to point fight him and win that fight, probably. Probably going to put a jab in his face and, um, bloody up his nose gilbert has showed that um once the fight stops going his way i don't want to say he checks out but he doesn't like it um he's one of those dudes that um he has a little bit of trouble being the nail he's great at being the hammer but once he starts becoming the nail he starts to not love that um yeah with usman you saw in the usman fight for sure yeah even with um even with other fights too um like once he he almost had Woodley out of there, and then once he's you know no longer you know have almost had Woodley out of there, it kind of just like trickled on. Mm-hmm. He he didn't have that same like aggression in the in the following rounds to get him out again. Um, so it's just one of those weird weird things. And Wonder Boy, um, Wonder Boy got knocked out by Pettis and then came back and fucking completely destroyed Luke. A, dropped them, hurt him a bunch of times, almost finished them. Um, the dudes had those losses to where like he doesn't. I don't think he has that same question mark, you know, on his mental fortitude. Um, tough, mm. tough fight for both guys because, yeah, Woodley has, or sorry, Wonder Boy has great. Um, the W keeps fucking me up. Um, <laughs> he's got great takedown defense. Um, Gilbert's got good takedowns, but he's a fucking wizard on the mat. Um, but Woodley's or Woodley, Wonder Boy's fucking striking is just that damn good. We're moving on. Fuck that. If I say Woodley <laughs> again, I'm fucking Woodley, where's he going, dude? Fuck, like, what's his next step? 
Oh man, Woodley, Woodley about to hang it up. I don't need to see him fight in the UFC anymore, bro. You know, you went out there, you went out on your shield. You weren't the frozen one anymore. You went out, you fucking tried to win that fight, but bro, I don't need to see. Yeah, I don't need to see you fight anymore. What's the point of getting wins over a couple of average guys? We know you can't beat the top guys anymore. To go out there and just get wins over a couple of average guys for the sake of getting a win, you know, and risking your health. Nah, fuck that. I'm not trying to see that. He's in a predicament, though, because he said he admittedly said that he spent too much money. Um, Oh, fuck. And he said this before that, you know, with my winnings, I spent too much money. And he's been able to talk his way into, um, you know, getting pay-per-view points on previous cards, even though he wasn't the main event. I know he was on a card with, like, John Jones, I think, and he was able to get pay-per-view points on that. Um, He swindled his way into that, but he apparently hasn't been the best with his money. Um, And apparently his rap career has not taken off the way he expected it to either. I don't know if he's still yeah. doing that. Yeah. Like, you know what? I, I could see him in bare knuckle, bro. I've got a, I've got a, I got a good feeling we'll see him in bare knuckle. I don't know why, but I just do. Feel like the I, money's there. David Feldman's looking for names. He might take a fight. I have a feeling, but it's not a good one. <laughs> like, you know, like, um, I hate to say this, like he might fuck around and have success there because the the athletes of bare knuckle just aren't a super high caliber. You know what though? Don't kid yourself. Because there's been guys that have gone to bare knuckle and gone beat. Johnny Hendricks got knocked out, bro. You know yeah, what I mean? But he's not. He went. He went was, there and got knocked out. These guys, they're no, they're not. They're by no means the best fucking athletes in the world. But, but you can still get knocked out, bro. They they come to fight. It's like the face of pain days right now. It's kind of like the Wild West with that bare knuckle shit. Is those fucking guys come to fight, man? And they if, come to that's fucking what scrap. They come to blow. yeah. That's what happened to Paige Van Zant, bro. She didn't. I I told so many people before that Paige Van Zant fight. I said this Britain Hart girl, she's not not the best fighter in the world. You know what I'm saying? But she's a fighter. And if Paige Van she's Zandt a bare knuckle fight, fighter. That's what I'm saying. If that's Paige doesn't come out person. there right away and and start trading with this girl and earn this girl's respect. Then Paige's gonna lose his fight, and that's exactly what happened. Paige didn't get going till like the fourth round, and by then it was too fucking late. Prime example of a stereotypical bare knuckle fighter is, look how much success Chris Levin has had there. Yeah, fucking right, man. Good for him too, because he yeah. he tried to get back into MMA, but he had a heart condition or some shit, and they they wouldn't let him pass the medical to fight. So I guess he was able to get that figured out. And you know what? He went out the way he wanted to go out. Yeah. And he's a great fucking dude. Vicious knockouts and he's able to do PEDs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not going to get into that. You know, I, 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 I don't know what's going on there and it's not my place to say. And if they are letting them do PEDs, fuck it. More power to them. Do you think they are <laughs> or they're not? I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Play play Nate Diaz here and say you're all on fucking steroids. How about that? <laughs> um, so another, you know, going back to to Johnny Hendricks. I mean, that's a definition of PEDs right there. Um, the second he was no, the second you saw it, showed its you know ugly little face. So, so if he got, guys. so if he got knocked out and bare knuckle, maybe yeah. he, maybe they don't, maybe they their testing is pretty good. Yeah, who knows? Who knows, bro? But. Regardless, I'm fucking enjoying watching Bare Knuckle. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure. Is it? Do you watch all of it? I do. You know what? I don't watch every card, but I will watch it. 
I know you have fr- I know you have friends that compete there, so you I'm sure you support them by watching. Um, I don't hate bare knuckle. I'm sure you saw the post I posted the other day. Um, I posted this on my Instagram story saying, you know, basically kudos to fucking bare knuckle because they're actually offering a retirement program for these fighters yeah, a pension. Yeah. Um, that's great. Not only does that give other fighters that are up and coming incentive, like you know, getting punched in the face bare knuckles is is getting punched in the face. Period sucks. Getting punched in the face bare knuckles sucks even harder. Mm-hmm. Um. But at least they're offering them, you know, a, a way out. And it, even if it's not a way out, it's um, like I said, it's an incentive and it, it, it makes them feel like they're worth something like, hey, every fight we're going to every fight you fight, we're going to take X amount of dollars and putting it in, put it into a retirement account for you. And then when you when you hang it up, um, you know, you get this money. There's probably mm-hmm. some contractual shit. That's, you know, some stipulations where you have to fight out your contract in order to obtain the funds. Um but don't sign a fucking contract that you don't think you can. I mean, that goes mm-hmm. in life. You know, don't sign a contract unless you feel like, you know, you can meet those obligations, whether it be fighting or buying a car. Don't sign a fucking contract unless you think you can make the obligations. Now, if you get a, if you get hurt and you have to go to the hospital and you're no longer deemed to fight, you know, whatever. But if you can fight and you're just done fighting, you know, you might not get your pension. I don't know. I don't know the stipulations. I have no idea, but I assume it's probably along those lines. Um, but that's awesome for bare knuckle to do that. Um I'm. What's the girl's name that you're that you're friends with? That's a fighter. I can I, I follow her on Instagram. It's like Taylor. Is it? Is it oh, Taylor Starling. Yeah. So yeah. she's a young girl. She's a young, attractive girl. She's a parent. I see. She's a mother of I think two boys. So yeah. for girls like her, you know, fighters like her to be able to have a retirement plan, like she's got kids and shit, and she's still young. There's no way she's not in her twenties still. Yeah. Um, that's a good incentive for them. It's a it's a great thing for those young athletes because. You know, the guys that are getting signed off the ultimate, um, not the ultimate fighter, um, the contender series aren't getting that. They're getting mm-hmm. 12 and 12 to show. And, um, you know, shout out to Adrian Yanez. But unless your name is Adrian Yanez, um, you know, he's taking home them 50 G's every time he shows up in the UFC. Um, yeah. But not all of them are not all of them are as good as him and not all of them are getting that money. <laughs> it's just absolutely um, you know, I got a couple more things I want to go over. I don't want to keep you here too long. We're at 131. Um, real quick, Holland and Vittori. Um, how do you feel about Holland getting that? I, I mean, he got gifted this. Um, how do you feel about Darren Till pulling out? And how do you feel about Holland being gifted this, you know, position that he's in now? Yeah. So, I mean, Till wasn't as much of a pullout. He, he broke his collarbone, right? That's legit. Um, but Kevin Holland... Man, I I just hope he fights. You know, I I, I think he, I'd I'd watch his his interviews leading up to the whole fucking his last fight with Brunson, and he was trying to play it off, be the Kevin Holland, be this cocky fucking mouthy guy. You know what I mean? But secretly, I think it was just all a front, because if you if you go and look back at all these interviews, there's one thing that he says in every fucking interview he did up to that fight. And it was, oh, I'm not really sure how I feel about fighting five rounds. And it was slipped in there casually in, in every one of these interviews between you know, his jokes and his one-liners and calling Derek Brunson a bum and this and that. But it was said in every interview. Um, and we saw it. It clearly played a factor in the fight because dude would ra- dude was so worried about gassing out that he went out there and acted like an asshole uh, and let Brunson win a decision because he was worried about gassing out. Whereas he probably could have put Brunson away. We saw that in the second round. He clipped him and he, you know, he had him hurt. But 
it was just a mental thing, man. Like Dana said, I think it was just a mental fucking breakdown in there, bro. And what's funny to me is now he's going to jump in three weeks later into another five round fight where he had just talked about, Oh, I want to go back to 15 minutes. So I don't know. I'm very interested to see what he does because we all know Vittori wants to win. Vittori is not a finisher, but he, he's going in there to win that fight because he knows if he, if he looks fucking great against Kevin Hall and it doesn't matter who he fights, if he looks great against them, he's calling out Izzy. That's what he's going to do. He wants that rematch. So it's an interesting fight, bro. I think I think Vittori wins it. I don't think Kevin Holland's going to be able to pull it off, but it'd be interesting if he does. You know, I, I think it really fucks up the division if Kevin Holland wins that fight because one fight ago he was talking about moving down to 170 yeah. and now all of a sudden he beats one of the top contenders again at 185, completely fucking screwing everything up, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. That's That's my take on that. It's weird, like, um, I think Kevin Holland normally isn't worried about things in fighting, and I think, you know, some people will say, I don't know why I'm laughing at this, because this isn't funny, but the only reaction I know how to do is laugh, and I think maybe that's something that, you know, played with him, where he, you know, you're fighting in front of Khabib and Magomedov. He kept talking to Khabib, but that might have been like a nervous tick type of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. him talking and him, you know, really pretending to not be nervous. Maybe he was nervous about those five rounds. He was in front of Khabib. I think that was his first main event. Um, and he really shit the bed. Like you said, he had Brunson hurt. Um, he's even like taking Brunson down at times. It was weird. Like he yeah. was one of the other dude, like one of the first dudes to take Brunson down. And like, what? Why? What are you doing? Like it was just a weird. Um, I was on vacation while this fight happened, and I watched on my phone. And like it got to the point where I just kind of like started checking out. Like, I had it playing, yeah. but I wasn't, like, you know, I wasn't fucking dead focused on it. I wasn't watching every strike, watching everything. Because it got to the point where I was like, Holland's losing this fight, and he's not going to come back from it, even if he gets Derek yeah, Brunson hurt. Um, he, he lost the fight before the fight was over. He yeah, it, it really reminded me of when Pat Barry fought Miracle Crow Cop. Because Pat Barry didn't want to win that fight. Yep. He, he'd said before, Miracle Crow Cop's like my fucking idol. And they were, like, hugging and shit in the octagon. It was fucking just weird. You know, so yeah, I don't think Kevin. I don't think Kevin Holland wanted to be in there that night. And he can say all he wants about how he's a fighter and call me anytime, but I don't think he wanted to be in there. And we're gonna find out too because um, people really sleep on Vittori. They kind of think he's a head case because he's always so upset and he always fights with the chip <laughs> the on his shoulder. Italian in him, bro. <laughs> I like that though, man. Yeah, like you know, my chick's Italian and she's you know fiery like that too. Um, he. You know, he, with the proper game plan, I think he can beat Izzy. And I think he probably has the easiest path to it with the proper game plan out of anyone else in that division. Um, if he goes and really chases takedowns and he repeats round three that he had against Izzy where he just dominated him on the ground, if he does that for three rounds and doesn't get finished, um, the way that MMA is scored, he'll win, he will win that fight out of a five-round fight. So I think he's got a clear path. Um, to beat Izzy and to contend with Izzy, he's he's got a split decision loss over him. So one judge gave him that scorecard. Um, I think he's a bad matchup for Holland because when has Marvin Vittori been rocked and you know looked in trouble? He's tough as shit. He he walks mm-hmm. forward. Um, he almost finished Jack Hermanson. He's showing um, you know he's showing he's showing um more power. He's showing more technical skill. 
Um, he's he's training out of a new camp now. He's even, you know, he's hanging around the likes of Mike Tyson. Those guys are both in the same camp, as crazy as that sounds. Like, um, that's a great camp that he's that he's fighting out of. So I think I think Vittori's um got a high ceiling here. I don't I think he can replicate the Derek Brunson fight, and I just think he's more tough than Derek Brunson, and I think he has a better gas tank than Derek Brunson. But Holland is a good striker and he's got good power, so he could put you out. Um it's weird. As far as Darren Till. Um, I don't know what kind of training he's doing 11 or 11 days out from a fight to break his collarbone because like you don't break your collarbone by slipping on a fucking banana peel. Like, why are you hard sparring 11 days out? Yeah, that's true. I never really thought of that. <laughs> Fuck. Like, what are you doing? Why yeah. are you, ha- why are you having these hard grappling? These are tools you should have sharpened eight weeks ago when y'all signed the bout agreement. Like you at 11 days out, you are just staying healthy and trying to stay not hurt and trying to stay crisp. You know what I mean? You don't want to let your body fall off of peaking. You're just trying to stay peaking. You're trying to stay healthy. Like you shouldn't be fucking hard. You shouldn't be doing shit to break your collarbone. Like unless you crashed a motorcycle, what the fuck you riding a motorcycle 11 days out? Like (laughs) with COVID and shit, bro, like these fighters, I mean, there's weird injuries that happen. Like, yeah, you know, Tony Ferguson slipped on a fucking wire, but like, you don't yeah. break your collarbone. Like, what is he doing to break his collarbone 11 days out? Israel Adesanya said, I want to fight Darren Till if he wins this fight. Darren Till, you win this fight and I'm fighting you and you break your collarbone. Like, bro, you, you need yeah, to, that's, I know he's like, it's weird, right? It's <laughs> a very good point. I've never really thought about it that way. It's a very good point. Like, what are you doing to break your collarbone, dude? Like, you got to get into like a car, like, who do you hear? How do car, collarbone injuries happen? Yeah, it's somebody lands on top of you. Like you're grappling and shit. Like what are you yeah. doing? Dude? Somebody's falling on top of you for sure. Like and you're doing it hard. Like yeah. you don't. You don't <laughs> it's weird. It's not like he popped his rib out. You know, like a weird freak accident rolling with somebody. Like it's weird. Um, last thing, man, before I let you go, Ultimate Fighter. Um, that kind of got sprung on us a bit weird. Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. Um. I'll give I'll let you give your feelings on it before I give mine. Yeah, I just I just think they're doing themselves a disservice by putting those two as the coaches because you've got Masvidal, you've got Usman, you've got Colby Covington. You have any one of those three guys or any two of those three guys as your coaches and you're making stupid money, you know? Like you got me, I, I'm going to watch the series every week no matter of what, course. but but if you have those two guys as your coaches, you got me fucking hyped to watch it every week because you know it's going to be good TV. Whereas Ortega, Ortega is this laid back, cool kind of, you know, he's a good dude. He's a likable dude. And then Volkanovsky, I just fucking, I don't know him. I don't know anything about the guy. And yeah, maybe I'll get to see a side of him that I, I've never seen before. But at the same time, I don't really want to, you know? I don't give a fuck about the dude. He's the champ and whatnot, but he's he hasn't done anything interesting to make me want to watch him on TV on a weekly basis and hear his thoughts and his, you know, his coaching strategies and whatnot. And how do you make that a rivalry? You know, how do you make those two guys get mad at each other? Whereas, whereas you can have a legitimate beef with with Colby and Usman on TV every week, or, or Colby and Jorge, you know. Whereas you're, you know. You're not going to get more than like a, hey, get out of here, man, between Volk and fucking Ortega, you know? So that's my take on that. Yeah, I think they dropped the ball. Um, They're good dudes. They're great fighters. 
Um, yeah, they that's do- just it. They're good dudes, but it's not going to make me watch it. Doesn't get your dick hard. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't like. I mean, even outside of 170, like yeah, there's great rivalries there, and I agree with you 100. Like why why aren't they doing Jorge and Usman there? Um, maybe because they just want those dudes to fight so they can move the fuck on. Yeah. But even like at 185, like good way to bring Izzy back coming off of a somewhat embarrassing loss to Jan Blahovich. Like, you know, or they could have even done Jan Blahovich and Izzy. They could have really built the fuck out of that fight. Um, they There's just a lot you could do. You could even do like something like Francis and, you know, Derek Lewis, number two, as ultimate fighter coaches. Who wouldn't want to see Derek Lewis on TV once yeah, a week? Yeah, for sure, bro. And then for like. Sure. And then Francis is the nice dude that's fucking scary. So it's like, you know, him him being mellow and monotone and chill will counterbalance Derek Lewis's just hilarious type dude. Um, they could even, like, be using um, Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. Like, they could be bringing, they could be bringing TJ Dillashaw back. Those guys are both had their beef from the ultimate. You know what I mean? Like, even at 125, like, there's... Or they could have done fucking... I mean, there's just, there's even, they could do like Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko. Like there's a lot that they could do. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think that they did the best with this, but, um, you know, whatever we're here for it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's weird. I don't, do you know what divisions are going to be, what it's going to be? Yeah. So I think it's Bantam and middleweight. Hmm. Middleweight needs it. For sure. Bantamweight um, doesn't. Bantamweight's the fucking most stacked division right now. Bantamweight, I agree with you. Bantamweight is, I mean, everybody says that 55 is the most stacked division. No, um, 35, hands down, bro. Dude. Like, that, that division goes fucking 20 deep, and they're all killers. There's dudes like Kyler Phillips fucking rolling around. So you know what I mean? Bro. Like, even Nathaniel Wood, like, he's a great fucking fighter. Casey yep. Kenny's rolling around out there. I don't think he's the greatest dude, but I think he's a damn good fucking fighter. Um, yeah, man. Deep fucking division, bro. Even if Marab was a 45er, Marab would probably be fighting for the title. Yeah, or just in, the way that he fights, for sure. You know, like there's dudes like that there. Um, you know, whether he jumps into a frozen lake or not is fucking... <laughs> not me. Um, and you know what? While I got you here, dude, it's something that we didn't touch on... Um, but I, if you if you got another second, I want to ask you about it. Do you have another minute? Yeah, yeah, it's all good, bro. Um, I don't know why we haven't talked about it, and I haven't talked about it really in any of my previous podcasts. Um, I'm gonna say a name, and I'm I just want you to start talking about him. Okay. Aljamain Sterling. Okay. Um, man, Aljo. Aljo needs to go full heel. Is what he he needs to do. He needs to fully embrace the fucking heel roll and start calling him the champ and flaunting it around and this and that because dude lost in my books, dude lost pretty much every round of that fight and got saved by that DQ, you know? And I don't think he wins that fight on any day of the week. You know, you're supposed to be this wrestler and you're getting put to the ground by a fucking trip by Peter Yan, you know, like a schoolyard ass fucking trip that you used to do to your buddies and you're this great wrestler. Um, I think he came out way too aggressive. He pushed his gas tank in round one. And Peter Yan's always been known as the guy who who just kind of takes his time and eventually just breaks you down and fucks you up in the later rounds. 
And that's exactly what he did. Aljo came out with this crazy, crazy pace early on. And that's that's normal for guys that have never been in title fights before. They'll they'll get the jitters and, and do some shit like that. But by no means was he winning that fight. Um, he was on his way to either getting finished or easily fucking 50-45 in my books. But to go out and, you know, say you're concussed and throw your fucking belt down in the octagon and then two hours later be taking pictures with it like i get it your friends are doing it and egging you on and this and that but no man not a good look not a fucking good look at all for me dude he was on um the the ufc unfiltered just recently with um matt sarah and talking to those guys um and he was now his next excuse is that the octagon was really slippery so that's why he wasn't able to get takedowns have you heard that yet no, I just, you gotta I'm listen glad to it. I, I'm glad I haven't. Bro, have you ever seen the meme? You know the cartoon Arthur where he like balls his fist out of anger, that yeah, gif, yeah, that yeah, meme? Yeah. Like, I, as I listened to that podcast, my fist just got tighter and tighter uh, and tighter. I was like, bro, like, you just gotta listen to it because it's now comical. And the thing is, he has, he has gone full heel, but it's not yeah. even on purpose. Yeah. Like, that's what's scary for me. Um, because he's gone full heel, but it's not even purposeful. He's just like, I don't know. I don't know where his head's at. Like you said, my friends that know me personally, like if I, if I took that win like that, they would not even be asking me to put that belt on my shoulder. Like my friends, fucking people that know me, respect me too much to fucking do that. And I'm sure your friends feel the same way about you. They wouldn't be like, OG, put that belt on bro. Take a picture. You they, they wouldn't even ask you that shit. Um, and even if so, I would, you know it's just imagine you're a fucking nascar driver and all the other cars crash and you win because everybody else crashed are you gonna parade with that trophy dude no like you you know like come the fuck on it's just and the worst part is is he's gonna they're gonna drag this out for so long to get he's this already match done you know he's already I mean? said it dude yeah they're gonna drag it out and he's going to lose. It's only a matter of time. He's not beating Peter Yan, even on his best fucking day. So we're going to have to deal with fucking eight months of him doing whatever the fuck he's doing until he gets beat again. So he told on the, on the same podcast, because, you know, him and Matt Sarah are boys, so he kind of, like, let more things go. Yeah. Um, his whole thing with Matt Sarah is fucking weird, too, how he didn't have him in his corner and shit. Yeah. I used to like Aljamain. I don't like him anymore. Um, You can't. He's I, I, so hard to like. But, um... He told he told Matt Sarah that he bought some Balenciaga shoes for him and his girl because he never experienced championship money, and it's just like, come on. And then he also told him, which is uh, the the big biggest red flag for me is what he said to him was, you know, I'm I'm thinking that you know I'm back in New York because I'm thinking I'm I'm having this neck problem again, and I'm thinking I'm gonna need neck surgery, so probably like after the surgery I'll be able to defend the belt. Oh fuck. He said that, nearly verbatim. Um, yeah, so, so you, I, I mean, really hope they just take that title from him, dude. Like, just move on if that's the case. It's def- it's defender vacate, and I understand if you have medical issues, but they y'all need to really at least make an interim belt. Do I don't know? Do Garbrandt against Petrion for the interim belt? Bro, know? he's not a he's not a champion. No matter what he says and what the rules say. Not a champion. Bro. No, of course, of course not. He's like, you know, is everyone okay in your place, dude? I hear some dishes drop. <laughs> oh yeah, fuck. It's this mic; it picks up on everything. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I mean, we're in the same boat. I, I, you know, I agree with you, and I'm sure you agree with me. I think it's a a tough look, dude. It's, it's going to be real hard. This is way worse than the Marlon Marais knockout. What's with him and knees anyway, dude? Yeah, no shit, eh? <laughs> and like, how does he, like, bro, how does he even get fans after that? Because nobody outside of, like, his teammates and his friends and his family like him. I don't I mean, like the dude. No, I don't. I liked him before. I thought yeah. he was a I thought he was a stand up dude, but you know these are personality traits that that get unfolded when something weird happens in someone's life that mm-hmm. you you know might not have ever shown themselves before. But now that something like this happened, you can tell the type of person he is by the way he's handling this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not my vibe. Like I don't I don't like that shit. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. It's uh, like we've discovered something about him when he faces some sort of adversity. Um, the way he handles himself is. Um, it's just not slimy, bro. It's not slimy. professional. Like, yeah. and it's not a good way. It's not a good way to get fans. You know, the, what he should do is say, "You, you all saw what happened. Um, I took an illegal strike. I don't want this belt, but I was gifted this belt. So now I understand that I'm going to earn pay-per-view points as a champion next time around because that's how contracts. You know, that's the stipulations in the contracts. Um, but this next fight is not going to be my title defense. I'm going to win the title again. Sure. He, yeah. And if he leaves it at that, don't go on Matt Sarah's podcast on the UFC unfiltered podcast and say you bought Balenciaga's with your champion money <laughs> for you and your girl. And then say you want to get neck surgery and you probably won't be able to defend the belt for like eight months. Yeah, bro. That's, that's about the worst look you can have right there. I mean, that is you. Saying you want fifty million dollars to fight Petrion again means the yeah. same thing to me. It just it just shows that he knows he don't want to fight him. He knows yeah. he's losing that fight. He don't want that smoke, bro. Well, fuck, no, man. it doesn't. Yeah, he, he just. I don't blame him because he. Um, I scored the first round for Aljo, even though he did get dropped. He did. Um, he did land some nice knees and stuff like that, and he had the good forward pressure, whatever. But it could have gone either way. But um, he did not have the success he thought he was gonna have. And um, once he realized that, it you know, I don't blame him for checking out because you know if I me, I'm not a fighter, and if I'm taking that beating from fucking Petrion and it's not going my way, and I'm trying everything to make it go my way, I could see why he checked out. Um, would you check out if you're getting your shit kicked in and you have the opportunity to stop getting your shit kicked in? Absolutely, um, bro. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> like you, you know. know? All manhood aside, like if you're getting your fucking teeth knocked in and someone says, hey, you can stop this right now or you can do it for five more minutes, you're going to fucking stop. Listen, so, bro, there, there's a saying where people will go, oh, he's not a fucking fighter because he didn't go out on his shield and this and that. Listen, bro, my very last amateur boxing fight, I had never been knocked down in my entire time boxing, not in sparring, not in fucking fights or nothing. I had taken this fight on on a whim you know what i mean i had every fighter's instinct well maybe i got one more in me i went out there the first round dude fucking clipped me first round put me on my ass i didn't know what the fuck happened i'd never been knocked down in my life that was the first uh i instantly knew i didn't have it anymore fight ended up going two rounds and i think in the second round um dude clipped me again i ended up on my butt and they give me the eight count and uh Granted, if it was a different situation, you know what I mean? If I was going to continue on with my, you know, fighting career and this and that, I'd have said, okay, 
you know what, let this dude put me out. But I I had my parents there. I had all my family and friends there and it was going to be my last fight. I'm like, you know what, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out this way. I'm not going to go out by getting knocked the fuck out when I'm not winning this fight regardless, you know? So I think more guys need to think that way. You know what? If you're not winning that fight, bro, don't take that punishment because you want to go out on your shield. Fuck that, man. Like, it's it's one thing for Tyron Woodley. That I can respect because he was in that fight. But if you're in a fight where you're getting your shit beat and you're just taking unnecessary punishment, man, there's no glory in, in going out on your shield like nope. that. It, it, it was just like that kid that fight, fought Mike Mike Davis, Thomas Gifford. That was bad. Yeah, that was one of the worst beatings you've ever seen. Bro, there is no glory in that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's going to remember Thomas Gifford because of all the heart he did, the heart he had continuing to fight Mike Davis. No, everybody remembers Thomas Gifford because he went out there and got his fucking ass beat. You know? Look look at Anthony Smith and and Glover. Same thing, bro. You don't win any points from that, bro. Same coach, too. And I get it. I get it. You're a fighter and you want to go out on your shield, but you shouldn't. You, you don't know? have to, because at the end of the day, like if someone tells you Anthony Smith dies tomorrow, or if Thomas Gifford dies tomorrow, or, if, or a perfect example is Calvin Cater and Max Holloway. That's like the worst beating anyone's ever seen. If someone yeah, told listen, you, Cal- bro, I'm like, not, I'm, I'm not gonna call Anthony Smith a quitter if he checks out on that Glover no. to share a fight. Same with Calvin Cater, bro. I've seen you fight. I've seen you put guys away. I've seen you in tough fights. You're getting your fucking ass kicked. Like, for sure. I am not going to call you a quitter for checking out, bro. And if if I tell you, like I was saying, if I tell you Calvin Cater died, you would say that sucks. But you don't love Calvin Cater. He has people in his life that love him and really give a fuck about him. Yeah, and man. me and you are not those guys. I think he's a good dude. I, I care. You know, I like him as a fighter. But if he died tomorrow or if, he, you know, he could no longer walk or, he, you know, he started having early signs of you know, Alzheimer's and started forgetting shit like Spencer Fisher. Um, my life wouldn't change his family. Mm-hmm. The people that he cares about, they care about him. You know, there's, they're the ones that are affected by this shit. So if you yeah. have the opportunity to fight again, um, and you don't have to take the beating. Yeah, bro. Look at, look at that dude that checked out on the stool that night. I can't remember his name, but the UFC cut him and he caught so much flack for that. And um, it's like, yeah, I can't remember his name. I I was making fun of him, calling him Washcloth. It's Roshkoff, I think, like that. Max he was Roshkoff he was fighting like he was fighting Austin Hubbard. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he checked out on the on the seat in between rounds, and everybody's like, "Oh, he's not a fucking fighter," and this and that. Dude just checked out. Give him a fucking break, man. Dude didn't want to be there anymore. You know, whether he chooses to fight again is his his decision. But who are we to say he's a pussy? Dude, dude stepped in between, you know, he got in that cage and was there to fight. So who am I to call him a pussy, bro? He just didn't want to be there anymore. And I, I even, you know, admittedly, I was even like, wow, you know, he, he quit. He didn't show up. And I mean, it's not a good look if you want to, you know, get signed with the UFC again. But in that moment, maybe he's like, fuck MMA. I don't yeah. want to get punched in the face anymore. And that's bro, fine. It's, yeah, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like in that moment... Yeah, people are going to call you a pussy, but that dude could fight this year and go out and knock somebody out in the first yeah. round with a highlight reel knockout. Nobody's going to remember that he quit on the stool. Yep. They're going to remember him for his highlight reel KO. So it's very, sports very fickle in that way, you know? And you might think, and it was Austin Hubbard. I mean, come on, who's going to quit against Austin Hubbard? 
all right, motherfucker, if you're listening to this and you think Austin Hubbard is soft because he's an unranked 155er and he's probably not even in the top 20, go meet him at the gym and go spar with him. Yeah, you go you go get beat up by Austin Hubbard, bro. Like, go Austin ahead. Hubbard, the average dude that thinks that wants to make fun of somebody for quitting on a stool, Austin Hubbard's going to kick your fucking teeth in way worse than he yeah. did to that kid. Dude trades with Curtis Blades, like trains yeah. at elevation, you know, like dudes, it's yeah. Like, you know, even so, the bro, it, even the worst guy in the UFC is still going to kick the shit out of the average man. <laughs> it, so, is, it just it is what it is. You hear the crazy Fallon Fox shit that's going on with the transgender woman that's fighting that's fighting other women that the trans. Oh, yeah. So um, everybody's made this huge fucking deal about it. And I do agree if Khabib Nurmagomedov. OK, he's 155. There's no 155. Pound, OK, if Davison Figueredo were to get a fucking sex change and become a woman and start fighting Valentina and, and all the other women at 125, I would have a problem with that. Fallon Fox got finished by Ashley Evans Smith. If you look at the good at all, bro. If you look at if you when you're done listening to this, go to Tapology, look at Fallon Fox's record and look who she's fought and look at their records. Zhang Wei Li, the 115 pound women's champion, would take Fallon Fox, rip her head off like fucking King Kong, and eat that <laughs> shit for breakfast. So y'all could really Fallon Fox is fighting bums. Like of of course. If if Zhang Wei Li or Rose Namajunas or you know any of those highly ranked 115 pound, there is Adam Waits at one championship that will rip those girls' heads off. That Fallon Fox fight, that Fallon Fox beat would do the same thing. She would crack. Zhang Wei Li will crack that girl's skull too. Like so, <laughs> it, to me, it really has less to do with a man, more of the caliber of the opponent. You know what I mean? Like it's just um, everybody has the right to be happy. Just leave. Leave Fallon Fox alone. Like, she fought Scrubs. Like, of course that's going to happen. All right, man. Well, tell everybody where you are. Tell them everybody where you can, where they can find you one more time, just in case if you, for whatever reason, only listen to the last part of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, bro. At OG Shawnee Mac on Instagram. Uh, OG Shawnee Mac on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube account is more, you know, top 10 lists and more informational shit. Um, just kind of educate you guys. Uh, talk to you a little about the OGs. You know what I mean? I refer to the OGs a lot. Uh, we talk about UFC one. I'm going to kind of go down the list of just little unknown facts about UFC and pride and all that shit on the YouTube channel. Um, and the Instagram account is a whole nother world. You know what I mean? OG Shawnee Mac on Instagram is, uh, it's one of those things that if you're not a part of right now, then you'd better get onto it because it's only getting bigger and the jokes are only getting weirder. And, you know what I mean? It, it's just one of those things. It's like an inside joke that you need to be a part of. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Um, always a pleasure just talking MMA, bro. You know, um, if it's something that you enjoy, hopefully we'll be able to do it again. Um, I I appreciate you being on. Thanks for coming on. Uh, as far as his social media stuff, you guys got to go listen. You got to just if you don't follow him, you know, that's on you because you should follow him because his account is great and it's funny. Um, but to think the memes and stuff this guy posts are, are spot on. They're um, relative to what's going on today in MMA, so that's definitely a good follow. Um, and he also knows what the fuck's up. Um, he knows the game. He knows the sport. He's competed in combat sports. You guys need to go follow him and tune into his shit and continue to listen to my shit, hopefully. Um, you can find me on Instagram, DevGhostFishing. I'm also a fisherman, too. Um fishing and mma are my life you know besides my family uh you can always dm me 
and ask me random questions about fights. I always post, um, you know, breaking fight news. So if you want to follow me and you just want to know who's fighting next, I will always post it within, you know, a very short time that the fights get annou- 